0: This is day 171, and I'm reading from the NIV version of the Bible, Isaiah 39 and 40, Ezekiel 1 through 3. Isaiah chapter 39. At that time, Marduk Baladan, son of Baladan, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah letters and a gift because he had heard of his illness and recovery. Hezekiah received the envoys gladly and showed them what was in his storehouses—the silver, the gold, and spices, the fine olive oil, his entire armory, and everything found among his treasures. There was nothing in his palace or in all his kingdom that Hezekiah did not show them. Then Isaiah the prophet went to King Hezekiah and asked, What did those men say, and where did they come from? From a distant land, Hezekiah replied, They came to me from Babylon." The prophet asked, "'What did they see in your palace?' "'They saw everything in my palace,' Hezekiah said. "'There is nothing among my treasures that I do not show them.' Then Isaiah said to Hezekiah, "'Hear the word of the Lord Almighty. The time will surely come when everything in your palace and all that your predecessors have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left,' says the Lord." And some of your descendants, your own flesh and blood, who will be born to you, will be taken away, and they will become eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. The word of the Lord you have spoken is good, Hezekiah replied, for he thought, there will be peace and security in my lifetime. Comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and proclaim to her that her hard service has been completed, that her sin has been paid for. That she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice of one calling in the wilderness prepare. The way for the Lord make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be raised up, every mountain and hill made low. The rough ground shall become level, the rugged places a plain, and the glory of the Lord will be revealed and all people will see it together. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, What shall I cry? All people are like grass, and all their faithfulness is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers, and the flowers fall, because the breath of the Lord blows on them. Surely the people are grass, the grass withers, and the flowers fall. But the word of our God endures forever. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up, do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power, and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him, and his recompense accompanies him. He tends his flock like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those that have young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Or with the breadth of his hand marked off the heavens? Who has held the dust of the earth in a basket? Or weighed the mountains on the scales and the hills in a balance? Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? Surely the nations are like a drop in a bucket. They are regarded as dust on the scales, his ways the islands as though they were fine dust. Lebanon is not sufficient for altar fires, nor its animals enough for burnt offerings. Before him, all nations are as nothing. They are regarded by him as worthless and less than nothing. With whom then will you compare God? To what image will you liken him? As for an idol, a metal worker casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and fashions silver chains for it. A person too poor to present such an offering selects wood that will not rot. They took for a skilled worker to set up an idol that will not topple. Do you not know? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood since the earth was founded? He sits enthroned above the circle of the earth, and its people are like grasshoppers. He stretches out the heavens like a canopy and spreads them out like a tent to live in. He brings princes to naught and reduces rulers of this world to nothing. No sooner are they planted, no sooner are they sown, no sooner do they take root in the ground than he blows on them and they wither, and a whirlwind swept them away like chafe. To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the starry hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great power and mighty strength, no one of them is missing. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by my God. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding, no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Ezekiel chapter 1. In my thirtieth year, In the fourth month on the fifth day, while I was among the exiles by the Kabar River, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. On the fifth of the month, it was the fifth year of the exile of King Jehoiakim. The word of the Lord came to Ezekiel the priest, the son of Buzi, by the Kabar River in the lands of the Babylonians. There the hand of the Lord was on me. I looked and I saw a windstorm coming out of the north, an immense cloud with flashing lightning and surrounded by brilliant light. The center of the fire looked like a glowing metal, and in the fire was what looked like four living creatures. In appearance, their form was human, but each of them had four faces and four wings. Their legs were straight, their feet were like those of a calf, and gleamed like burnished bronze. Under their wings, on their four sides, they had human hands. All four of them had faces and wings, and the wings of one touched the wings of another. Each one went straight ahead. They did not turn as they moved. Their faces looked like this. Each of the four had the face of a human being, and on the right side each had the face of a lion, and on the left side the face of an ox. Each also had the face of an eagle. Such were their faces. They each had two wings spreading out upward, each wing touching that of the creature on either side, and each had two other wings covering its body. Each one went straight ahead. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go without turning as they went. The appearance of the living creatures was like burning coals of fire, or like torches. Fire moving back and forth amongst the creatures. It was bright, and the lightning flashed out of it. The creatures sped back and forth like flashes of lightning. As I looked at the living creatures, I saw a wheel on the ground beside each creature with its four faces. This was the appearance and structure of the wheels. They sparkled like topaz, and all four looked alike. Each appeared to be made like a wheelie, intersecting a wheel. As they moved, they would go in one of the four directions the creature faced. The wheels did not change direction as the creature went. Their rims were high and awesome, and all four rims were full of eyes all around. When the living creature moved, the wheels beside them moved, and when the living creature rose from the ground, the wheels also rose. Wherever the spirit would go, they would go. And the wheels would rise along with them, because the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. When the creature moved, they also moved. And when the creatures stood still, they also stood still. And when the creatures rose from the ground, the wheel rose along with them, because the spirit of the living creature was in the wheels. Spread out above the heads of the living creatures was what looked something like a vault, sparkling like crystal and awesome. Under the vault, their wings were stretched out one toward the other, and each had two wings covering its body. When the creatures moved, I heard the sound of their wings like the roar of rushing water, like the voice of the Almighty, like the tumult of an army. When they stood still, they lowered their wings. Then... There came a voice from above the vault over their head, and they stood with lowered wings. Above the vault over their heads was what looked like a throne of lapis lazuli, and high above on the throne was a figure like that of a man. I saw that from what appeared to be his waist up he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire, and that from there down he looked like fire and brilliant light surrounded him, like the appearance of a rainbow." in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. There was the appearance of likeness of the glory of the Lord. When I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard the voice of one speaking. He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet, and I will speak to you. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet, and I heard him speaking to me. He said, "'Son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their ancestors have been in revolt against me to this very day. The people to whom I am sending you are obstinate and stubborn. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are a rebellious people, they will know that a prophet has been among them. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words.' Do not be afraid, though briars and thorns are all around you, and you live among scorpions. Do not be afraid of what they say or be terrified by them, though they are a rebellious people. You must speak my words to them, whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are rebellious. But you, son of man, listen to what I say to you. Do not rebel like that rebellious people. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. Then I looked, and I saw a hand stretched out to me. In it was a scroll, which he unrolled before me. Oh, both sides of it were written words of lament and mourning and woe. And he said to me, Son of man, eat what is before you, eat this scroll, then go and speak to the people of Israel. So I opened my mouth, and he gave me the scroll to eat. Then he said to me, Son of man, eat this scroll I am giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it, and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. He then said to me, Son of man, go now to the people of Israel and speak my word to them. You are not being sent to a people of obscure speech and strange language, but to the people of Israel, not to many people of obscure speech and strange language, whose words you cannot understand. Surely if I had sent you to them, they would have listened to you. But the people of Israel are not willing to listen to you because they are not willing to listen to me. For all the Israelites are hardened and obstinate. But I will make you an unyielding and hardened as they are. I will make your forehead like the hardest stone, harder than flint. Do not be afraid of them or terrified by them, though they are a rebellious people. And he said to me, son of man, listen carefully and take to heart all the words I speak to you. Go now to your people in exile and speak to them. Say to them, this is what the sovereign Lord says, whether they listen or fail to listen. Then the Spirit lifted me up, and I heard behind me a loud rumbling sound, as the glory of the Lord rose from the place where it was standing. It was the sound of the wings of the living creatures brushing against each other, and the sound of the wheels beside them, a loud rumbling sound. The Spirit then lifted me up and took me away, and I went in bitterness and in the anger of my spirit with the strong hand of the Lord on me. I came to the exiles who lived at Tel Aviv, near the Kabar River, and there— where there were living, I sat among them for seven days, deeply distressed. At the end of the seven days, the word of the Lord came to me, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them warning from me. When I say to a wicked person, you will surely die, and you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their life, That wicked person will die for their sin, and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked people, and they do not turn from their wickedness or from their evil ways, they will die for their sin, but you will have saved yourself. Again, when a righteous person turns from their righteousness and does evil, and I put a stumbling block before them, they will die. Since you did not warn them, they will die for their sin. The righteous things that people did will not be remembered and I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the righteous people not to sin, and they do not sin, they will surely live because they took warning, and you will have saved yourself. The hand of the Lord was on me there, and He said to me, Get up and go out to the plain, and there I will speak to you. So I got up and went out to the plain, and the glory of the Lord was standing there, like the glory I had seen by the Kabar River, and I fell face down." Then the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet. He spoke to me and said, Go, shut yourself inside your house, and you, son of man, they will tie with ropes. You will be bound so that you cannot go out among the people. I will make your tongue stick to the roof of your mouth so that you will be silent and unable to rebuke them, for they are a rebellious people. But when I speak to you, I will open your mouth, and you shall say to them, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Whoever will listen, let them listen, and whoever will refuse, let them refuse, for they are a rebellious people. So we end the woe section of Isaiah and move to the servant section, where we're introduced to an announcement of hope. Remember, a new, more purified Jerusalem. Dr. Mackey describes how the prophet Isaiah is emphasizing God as a comforter and asking us to comfort one another. He is sending them, Israel, home after exile. This is the future hope. Yet, as Dr. Mackey draws our attention, who is the voice perspective of this part of the story? Because it sounds like someone who knows what happens or lives after the exile, which wouldn't be Isaiah. It could be Ezra or Nehemiah, who did live after the exile. So, Dr. Maggie points out how some biblical scholars read this as Isaiah speaking into the future, about 200 years after the exile. Another way to understand it is to reread chapter 8, verse 18, chapter 29, verses 10 and 12, and chapter 30, verses 8 and 9 of Isaiah, where Isaiah talks about handing over the scrolls he wrote about judgment and hope to his disciples after Isaiah was rejected by Israel's leaders. He did this as a witness for days to come, and his disciples preserved what he said in chapters 1 through 39, where what Isaiah said would happen in judgment, it did happen in exile. Then, in Isaiah 40 to 66, after the exile, his disciples opened the scroll and began to apply Isaiah's words of hope to their own day post-exile around 530 B.C., So interesting. Which view do you think is more accurate? In both views, though, the point of the message is the same. The announcement of hope is to call the people back into the story of being God's servant. I just love Isaiah 40, verse 28 through 31. There are songs about it. I'm going to read it to you. Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth, He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. But do you remember the verse right before this? Verse 27. Why do you complain, Jacob? Why do you say, Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord? My cause is disregarded by God? What's going on here, right? (laughs) Dr. Mackey describes how God is calling them to comfort one another, telling them the exile is over and to come home, yet the people of Israel seem to be doubting and accusing God. This will set us up for a trial-like defense style of writing, where God will respond to these doubts and accusations in chapters 41 to 47 of Isaiah. Next, we start the book of Ezekiel, another major prophet, and his story is interesting from the beginning. Ezekiel was supposed to be a priest on his 30th birthday, but where was he instead? We read he was in exile in what Dr. Mackey describes as a refugee camp in Babylon by an irrigation canal. That's where the scene of this book starts, and it's set in chapter one. As Matt Whitman says, there is an intensity to this book. Ezekiel was an early exile, exile, Ex, exilee. Are these words? I don't know. I think Marty Solomon tried them, <laughs> and it's kind of funny, but. The real point is he was in the first wave taken to Babylon from Jerusalem around the 6th century or 590 BC, when a small minority were first taken before the rest of the southern tribe of Judah, Israel, was taken and Jerusalem was destroyed. So Ezekiel was taken in this early group, and it reads somewhat autobiographical where he's sitting by that river and God shows up with a message Now, we might read it like it's science fiction meets fantasy imagery, and then Ezekiel eats a scroll of the words of the wisdom being commissioned, (laughs) a son of man, a lot of different people, right? Yep, hard to understand, but let's try. And we'll read it in Jeremiah, who was taken in the second wave to Babylon, his prophecies, they're going to happen too, and they're going to say the message is similar to this. The gist, what's the gist? God is responding to enduring evil judgment is here. And in the case of Jeremiah, who was taken in the second wave by King Nebuchadnezzar at about 580 BC. So we're being introduced to what is known as apocalyptic literature. That's why it feels like fantasy, science-y imagery, right? So it's called apocalyptic literature But this book and other books in the Old Testament, like Daniel, use this form of literary writing, and apocalyptic literature uses imagery and symbols to convey hope to their present day. If you're like me, in the past, I was like, oh, I only thought revelations did this. But mm, you live, you learn, right? It's not a crystal ball about the future, this apocalyptic writing style. Marty explains apocalyptic to mean to uncover or reveal now, today, to a specific audience not a blueprint for how-to or like a historical writing of the future, but it's about their current world and situation to convey strength and give strength to embolden and encourage each other. Mackie and Collins give a wonderful graphically designed image of Ezekiel's vision, and I'm captured by the Spirit of God enthroned and also in the wheels. That's so interesting to me. I think back to how God hovered over the waters in creation, and He led, you know, in a cloud and fire and desert and also breathed into the nostrils of the first humans. In Hebrew, that's Adam that we read in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, and God's Spirit, His breath, His presence gives life, direction, power, hope. And here, this vision is described as the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And the word glory, which means kavod, is like this weighty, significant honor. And the vision has Hebrew descriptive connections to God at Mount Sinai and over the Ark of the Covenant. But as Mackey says, what is this presence doing in a vision of Ezekiel in Babylon? Remember, it's his 30th birthday. He's sitting along an irrigation canal in a refugee camp in Babylon because he was taken in the first wave from Jerusalem. So let's just put a pin in that question for a minute. Ezekiel's prophecy and style of writing will be somewhat different from the book of woe and warning with sprinklings of hope that we've read in Isaiah. The voice really changes into hope and the tone changes because, as we read today, it's becoming too late for woe and warning. The judgment, the consequence, it's happening. It's already beginning and it's only going to get worse if things don't change, right? The Israelites will need to be about overcoming, choosing right over the wrong strength. This is what the word Marty Solomon uses as the image concept word for Ezekiel, strength. In his Hebrew name, there is connection to the root of Hebrew word for heart, related to having or receiving from God a strong, courageous heart. And when you say it twice in Hebrew, there's this sense of community and where God is giving you strength and you're strengthening each other. It's really cool. This is different from the other Hebrew word, as we talked about for heart, kavod, which has more to do with glory. Ezekiel's name and message are related to the fact that God strengthened or being strengthened by God. Ezekiel's calling is not going to be easy and his message will not be easy either because the people are sinking into like despair and hard hearts. They're rebellious. They have ears and eyes, but they're not willing necessarily to hear or listen to the message from God. Yet this story is still making it clear, Ezekiel. We are still responsible to put God on display and present the message, the invitation, the story, God's story. We're accountable for that. And I I feel like there's still this sense that some people will, even if it's not many, turn back to God. They will repent and come back, but many won't, and we can't be discouraged by that. Why is God's presence in a vision to Ezekiel in Babylon? Remember that question. Well, it's because Ezekiel is being commissioned by God as a prophet to first bring the accusations, the explanations for the judgment to Israel. They were worshiping other gods, which led to things like incredible social injustices. And this might be the last of the warnings because Ezekiel was in the first wave. He is warning of the second, plus the total destruction of Jerusalem. And tomorrow Ezekiel will use more than words. He will get theatrical and use signs and acts to convey his message to Israel.